One of the defining characteristics of the mistaken ways in which we try to make sense of the world, as I think I've mentioned before, is that we assume that there is one final, all-inclusive, definitive system which we think deserves the name ultimate truth. It's some sort of uh, Adams-esque life, the universe, and everything final theory, a final solution to everything. And because most of us think like that, and most of my life I've thought like that too, so I do include me in the us, because most of us think like that, we assume that if we meet somebody who has a different view of the world, one or other of us must be wrong. And I want to suggest that that just isn't so. It's perfectly all right to have multiple views of the world, different views of the world, and that doesn't mean that one of them must be wrong. So to go back to the happiness, the, the three forms of happiness, I am remiss in jumping to the conclusion that of the three forms, one is necessarily right or better, and the other two necessarily therefore wrong or worse, because in doing that I am exhibiting the same monolithic, homogenized, everything hangs together perfectly mistake that most of us, I think, do fall into, and, and uh, the German philosopher Hegel uh, probably made the most of, with very, very serious consequences for all of us. So, we shouldn't be tribal, because to be tribal on grounds of safety is one thing, but to be tribal on grounds of imperialism is another. An imperialistic tribalism is one that believes that your tribe is right and all other tribes are wrong. A security tribalism just has an understandable wariness of the propensity of other tribes to come along and take your stuff, shall we say. And of course the two aren't unconnected. If I'm really successful in a tribal imperialism, I may succeed in wiping all the other tribes off the face of the earth, in which case my, all the threats will disappear. Uh, but this is not something we should be encouraging. We need instead to think in terms of a radical pluralism. Radical uh, allowance for others radical difference and yes as you say there are an awful lot of people who will be happy in a monovalent happiness sense with their ferrari or their gucci handbag or just a decent meal or a roof over their heads or not being cast down by plague or pestilence and other forms of disease and so on so we shouldn't be dismissive of that and uh, I withdraw and, uh, and will beat myself up about 
a tendency to do that. Unfortunately, you can't entirely get away with wiping off the slate tendencies to think that some things are better than others, because if you do, you end up in a version of relativism which can, in its extreme forms, amount to anything goes. And anything will do as well as anything else. And any conduct, any belief system, any set of actions or decisions, to use your Schultz pair, is as good as any other. And I don't think that any morally responsible person can believe that. I don't think a morally responsible person, even if they think that the Nazis or the communists or the Soviets or the Bolsheviks were not mad, were, as you might say, rationally committed to their ambition and their objectives, I don't think that you can altogether wash away the notion that you still think that they were both bad and wrong. Wrong not in relation to some universal law, but wrong in the sense of not doing something that contributes positively to the totality of human thriving. We always end up in these sort of self-referential, self-contradictory loops. Uh, and I'm not sure that they are anything that can be escaped for reasons that are too technical to go into here. But I do think that disabusing ourselves of the view that there is only one theory of everything, whether it be scientific or mathematical or social, moral, religious, philosophical or human, Disabusing ourselves of that prejudice is one of the ways in which we need to unmake sense. Because if we stick with it, we are always going to be in a position either of being judgmental of others because we think we're right, or judged by others and therefore beating ourselves up because we're wrong. And I don't think that that's a happy state to be in. And just to pick up on the early few paragraphs of your uh, blog post this morning, your newsletter, I think your therapist would probably say, and if she wouldn't, I would certainly say, that this notion that we have some sort of moral obligation to comply with what other people want us to do or to be or to think or to say arises out of this monolithic view of the nature of the universe and how it can be systematized into one universal all-encompassing truth. Only get rid of that assumption and the idea that anybody has some natural right to tell me what to do and that I have a natural obligation to comply with that, both of those things just disappear. So unmaking sense in getting rid of that single monolithic homogenizing totalitarian 
systematic unity and everything that goes with it is a very important primary objective to the whole enterprise of unmaking sense. And just as a very brief supplement to that, the theistic elements of all religions try to encompass the whole universe in a single theory. So they are monolithic in just the same sense. But I don't think that we should jump from that to the conclusion that there can't be any truth in our religious ideas. We should simply say that when we say, as surely we must, that our intelligence can't possibly grasp the full range and complexity of everything, we should then simply defer such questions and say they're too difficult. Uh, and that all our attempts to make sense of the world in their terms, in religious terms, in ultimate philosophical terms, in scientific and mathematical terms, are just examples of human arrogance and hubris, to use a nice word this morning, um, because they try to make more sense than we have any business making. <laughs>